Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Ido Kadim. Ido is the Chief Technology Officer and Director of Olympic Technology at Intel, a company he spent nearly three decades with. As the Director of Olympic Technology, he helps drive improvements to the experience of all Olympic stakeholders. He draws from the innovation engines from across Intel to deliver this, and I look forward to hearing more about the methods he's used and the trends he's brought to life. But first, a word from our partner, Transmit Security, and the company's co-founder and president, Rakesh Moonkar. Transmit Security is a cybersecurity organization that focuses on identity experience and is enabling a secure and passwordless future. They also recently received the highest Series A venture capital investment in history for a cybersecurity company at a valuation of $2.2 billion. Rakesh wanted to share a couple of recommendations for technology and digital executives on how to improve a company's cybersecurity infrastructure. Thank you so much, Peter. First, I strongly recommend to take part of their budget and dedicate it to really innovative companies. It has to be built into the budgets up front so that it serves as a forcing function to really look for new technologies. The, the second recommendation is outside of identity. There are two very interesting classes of security technologies that are emerging. The first one is improving the quality of code to make sure that your developers are not introducing software vulnerabilities. The second is cloud security. I think we're in the first inning of hundreds of companies that will be created offering really innovative ways of securing the multitude of problems in the cloud environments. I just want to leave your audience with this a last thing. Every single time they have to enter their password, change their password, can't remember their password or any other problems, please remember transmit security. And now on to the interview. You know, welcome to Technovation. Hi, Peter. It's good to be here. Wonderful. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. What a fascinating title to have, the D Director of Olympic Technology, in addition to your CTO title. Uh, talk a bit about your purview as, as the Director of Olympic Technology and how this role came about. So, uh, you know, Intel has been a worldwide partner of the, uh, of the Olympic Games uh, since 2017. And um, uh, I, I basically manage all the technology dimensions of that uh, in terms of uh, integrating Intel technology and driving technology innovation from Intel into uh, the Olympic movement at large and uh, into uh, Olympic and, and now Paralympic games uh, starting with uh, Beijing. Um, and it includes, you know, the, the innovation, the execution, the implementation, uh, the technical customer relationships, so to speak. So working with our Olympic and Paralympic stakeholders to understand their needs um, and then identify the technologies and strategies at Intel that align well with those needs to, to satisfy them and, and create, uh, you know, wonderful experiences for all stakeholders involved. Yeah, so interesting, you know, among the many interesting aspects of this, I know you took on this role uh, several years ago in, in preparation for the Olympics, Olympic Games that just concluded, and, and uh, those, those that were in Tokyo, of course. And I wonder, what is it like? This is a most unusual 
uh, set of deliverables, if you will. You have a, a uh, an event that you're planning for that is multiple years out, and the the date is non-negotiable. There's no delays. <laughs> and moreover, the world will be watching. And so talk a little bit about, obviously, you've not always been in Olympic technology. You've had more traditional projects and portfolios that you've been managing. Talk a little bit about some of the unusual aspects of this sort of uh, way of operating. Well, I think one that that's certainly you know I took this uh, took on this role a couple of years ago, actually literally two years ago, and um, one of the big differences is that when you are developing a product, typically, I mean, we all shoot for schedules and we manage relent- relentlessly to those schedules, but there's always some amount of of, of give, and uh, here you know, like you said. The games will go and they will go forward with you or without you. And people will adjust and figure out ways to deliver them. And if you want the technology to be integrated, you certainly need to be there. Um, the Olympic movement itself puts, um, or, you know, organizing committees, they, they put all sorts of buffers into the system by aiming to freeze technology well ahead of the games and move into testing mode. Um, but, you know, there is that tension as well of if you want to bring truly, you know, cutting edge technology, how to do that. And it was a, a question of, in some cases, being impetuously fearless and uh, rushing into an environment and making things happen and taking risks. And uh, in some cases, uh, not just uh, before the games, but literally in a couple of cases before a race, where suddenly there's a hiccup and things aren't working and figuring out how to still make them work for the race that's coming. Uh, but to the most part, it's, uh, it's, it's really through a lot of coordination, risk, man- you know, traditional, uh, you know, engineering project, uh, risk management, uh, picking your battles. And, uh, and, and also in some cases, uh, you know, acknowledging, I think one of the things that I discovered uh, in Tokyo, I didn't quite understand that before uh, being truly part of the fabric of, of the games, um, that a lot a lot of problems get solved on the ground in real time. And there's no, you know, it's inevitable. You can only plan so far when it's such a huge and distributed uh, event. And, and uh, you know, the goodwill, the desire of people to make great things happen um, really the, the attraction of the passion around the Olympic movement and the Olympic Games uh, helps make things happen that otherwise wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, very interesting insights. I appreciate you sharing those, uh, Ido. You know, I, I wonder also, um, over the course of a couple of years, the sorts of things that you might implement, uh, let's say at the beginning of your tenure two years ago, the technology that was relevant, the methods that you might use, they, they themselves will evolve as time marshals on. So as, as uh, you know, 2020 became 2021, you may have weapons in your arsenal that become relevant for this. So I wonder, from a planning perspective, how things evolved, and even if you don't mind uh, adding to that, what was your process of kind of understanding the needs um, of the various constituents you would be serving uh, in order to determine what te- technology to bring to life? Well, maybe I'll, I'll start from the end. We attempt to work closely with stakeholders, so functional area leaders in, in, or in the organizing committees. Uh, we have a business development team uh, that is located on the ground. We had a team in Tokyo. We have a team in Beijing. We have a team in Paris. 
that work with the organizing committees and, and uh, try to get to know them as intimately as possible to identify the places where technology could play a role. Uh, we have an ongoing relationship, of course, with uh, the the International Olympic Committee and the different stakeholders within that and, and um, very deeply with the Olympic Broadcasting Service, um, which are obviously a big users of technology and, and uh, really uh, appreciate innovation and try to drive innovation forward. We have been doing actually uh, some really interesting projects with uh, for Tokyo and even more so uh, beyond. So one is just engagement and, and outreach and developing relationships, um, traditional partnership approaches, I suppose. Um, from there, I think one, we, we try to uh, map to our known roadmaps. In many cases, we have to work with uh, existing technology and, and base solutions on that. And then as we get closer and we pick the opportunities, to uh, upgrade certain parts with the latest technology within the risk profile that a solution is willing to accept. So in some cases, if it really is going to affect things that are, you know, it's a make or break type of thing, we probably would be a little more conservative. If it's something that is more of a value add and, and can take more risk, we'll, we'll, we'll be more aggressive. Uh, but we did in a couple of places, you know, upgrade uh, servers to higher performance servers, you know, as an example. Or maybe in other cases, we didn't integrate new sensors because it would have been too disruptive to, to a certain application, even though since the time we developed the architecture for a solution, uh, we've developed it further outside of Olympics. And by games time, we weren't able to really catch up all of that because of the risk of, and complexity of integrating new stuff into an environment that really has to become very stable. Yeah, very interesting. I, I want to get into some of the innovations that you and your team brought to life. Um, one of the examples uh, that, that I certainly recall from my own enjoyment of the games was the 3D athlete tracking technology uh, yes. and the, the ability to sort of track the uh, the competitors in ways that that were new this Olympic Games relative to past ones. Can you talk a little bit about the technology behind that and how how it came to life? Yes, yeah, certainly. So, three um, D athlete tracking is a technology. Um, you know, the rare case with, where we developed um, uh, a technology end to end within within our group. In most cases, we partner with business units across Intel um, and and external partners to put together solutions. In this case, it's something that uh, is 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 truly homegrown in in startup mode. Um, we um, 3D athlete tracking is a solution that uses uh, cameras uh, with computer vision and AI to basically uh, reconstruct the form and performance of athletes and, and enable us to analyze uh, their performance in, in very uh, fine-grained uh, fine detail at the biomechanical level. Um, this technology has a, a number of uses. What you may have seen, and many of your listeners may, may have seen as well during the uh, broadcast of the sprint races in track and field, uh, were the heat maps. Um, and so post-race analysis of the runners' uh, speed progression through races uh, with some incredible insights and stories about uh, how races unfolded, even in the hurdles where you could see 
what happens when a, a hurdler gets too close to, to the hurdles or, or you know, and, and loses speed or vice versa. So some really fascinating insights. So that's well, one representation of, of that technology. And another where we were able to take more advantage of the detailed data is in, uh, in coaching and training of, uh, of elite athletes. Uh, a partner of ours, Exos, um, uh, used the technology while training uh, NFL draft candidates in the spring. And this is, you know, just the beginning of, we hope, uh, a, a, a new era of a new, a new type of tools, set of tools for athletes to, uh, to develop their, uh, their performance. This, this brings about an interesting question, Ido, in as much as you have multiple constituents you're serving. Uh, they're with regard to the Olympics themselves. Of course, they're the people who are watching, and you described as as as, as I and many of the people who would be watching or listening to this will will certainly remember the experience we had. But you also have the athletes in mind. Uh, presumably, you have some of the broadcast networks and and providing them the sort of information to help them, uh, uh, you know, develop interesting storylines or provide interesting data to back to the 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 people watching the broadcasts again, among others. Talk a little bit about how you thought about the different constituent groups that you served uh, and designed uh, part, part of what you were doing for each of those? So we certainly have in mind, uh, you know, uh, uh, several uh, types of stakeholders, um, athletes, uh, for sure, both in terms of uh, figuring out ways to help them develop their performance, uh, but also uh, improve their experience uh, while in the games. For example, uh, one of the issues in, in some previous uh, games were the predictability of uh, the transportation system. And so this is one of the ways that our mobile eye technology um, uh, was was used in our minds to, to help athletes uh, be able to focus on their performance and help the organizers uh, ensure that they get um, kind of a predictable and safe uh, transportation service. Uh, this leads me to the operators of the games, uh, which are you know super important for us. The games are you know uh, are about sport, but there's so much more that happens at the end of the day. It's a mega event that is really a distributed smart city uh, type of situation. So uh, the operators of the games, uh, both in terms of operating venues, but operating the whole infrastructure of the games. Um, which connects us also to, you know, one of the unique types of operators are uh, the broadcasters. And so uh, working very closely with them, and that leads us to, you know, the fans that they serve. So also, you know, with 3D athlete tracking, it wasn't just about uh, putting together uh, the technology to analyze the performance of athletes with cameras without worn, you know, technology only with cameras, uh, but then it was also what does it what does it look like? What can the commentators uh, say about this? Uh, what will they want to say that is at the level that would really uh, enrich the experience of, uh, of of the viewers at home without confusing them? And and how do the graphical um, you know design uh, help help them do that? So all of that were places where we had to really get involved and own. Uh, which is a, a you know first in my experience at Intel. Usually we we are behind the scenes working with partners on uh, specific outcomes, and in this case it was a complete ownership of a solution, including areas that typically we don't get a chance to get involved with. 
That's really interesting. I appreciate you going through that. Uh, I wanted to ask you about mobile eye technology, uh, another area that you and your team have been focused on. Can you talk a bit about how it was applied? For, first, uh, for those who may be less familiar, kind of a definition of it, uh, how it was applied into the Olympics and how you foresee potentially using it in the future as well? So, yes, of course, Mo- mobile eye uh, is a subsidiary of, of Intel, which uh, is focused on... Um, the transformation of vehicles, uh, autonomous driving and, and assisted driving. The technology that, that we uh, deployed for Tokyo 2020 was comprised of two, two main components. Um, one are uh, mobilized uh, smart sensors. So these are basically super intelligent cameras that are installed in, in, in vehicles, in this case, in hundreds of uh, the Olympic transportation system. And, and those uh, cameras are basically sensors that uh, learn a lot about the, the environment of the bus. It has two, two functions. One, to provide hints for safe driving for the driver in the vehicle, so the immediate value of that. But these uh, sensors also have the ability to detect and identify objects so beyond the ones that would impact the immediate safety of the vehicle. Um, and also that may not even be directly on the road. So, for example, they're able to see uh, pedestrians and, rec- you know, ide- identify uh, the category of uh, pedestrians or, or cyclists or, you know, whatever other vehicles or types of vehicles may be um, on or around the road, as well as, um, you know, a variety of potential hazards and developing hazards on the road. What uh, Mobileye has have done is they pull all of this data off, off of the sensors into a data platform and, and uh, visualize multiple layers that uh, provide value, can provide value to fleet managers, to city managers, to um, uh, transportation managers, and, and so on. In this case, uh, we provided these data layers about evolving road conditions uh, to uh, to the uh, transportation management center to help them make real time decisions in how to steer the buses and you know um, foresee issues that may evolve and maybe uh, uh, mitigate them and by that help ensure again safe and uh, and timely transportation for uh, the stakeholders that they they were serving uh, athletes other staffs and so. Forth. I think it's a great story you do. I love. I love. I mean, what what a what a blessing to have the full weight of Intel and all these different uh, areas that uh, innovations that the company is developing, and then to be able to dream up new applications uh, for these in some really creative ways. That's a great example you gave. I also want to talk about. I know in our past conversations, you've talked a bit about the evolution of five G. Uh, technology and its importance in the 2020 Olympic Games in Tokyo. Um, I know that was brought to life in in partnership with some other companies. Also, can you talk a bit about the, you know, that evolution and how it was uh, leveraged uh, at the Olympics? Um, sure. So, first of all, Tokyo 2020 are uh, were the first uh, Olympic Games, uh, Olympic and Paralympic Games, uh, really that uh, had uh, full commercial 5G service. That's already been launched and covered the full uh, the, the full distribution of the games. Um, if you go back to Pyeongchang in 2018, it was a trial. There were trial networks of 5G, but this is the first time that it was deployed already commercially. 
There are several use cases that we deployed. Um, a, a, few, a few of them, of, of, of course, NTT, who were the uh, network services sponsor of uh, or partner of Tokyo 2020 were the key solution owners and, and delivered, and we supported them. Um, one uh, was an incredible, um, huge screen in the sailing uh, venue. Uh, so, so really the purpose there was to bring the, the sailing competition out from sea and make it visible to people who were in the stands. Unfortunately, in Tokyo 2020, that meant only... Uh, the, the insiders of the games who, who were there, um, athletes, uh, you know, uh, federation uh, folks and so forth. But uh, still, from a technology standpoint, um, huge screen stitched from multiple video streams uh, that were collected by uh, drones uh, out, out at sea, uh, stitched in, in, um, in, in a very near real time onto a screen that uh, was um, 50 meters by uh, six, if I remember correctly. So a huge, huge screen uh, that was floating on a barge next to the next to the stand. So you could see the action at sea from afar, but you could also see, uh, you know, much up, much closer, sort of a close up of the race uh, with live commentary, which was uh, incredible. So this is one use of, of, of 5G to collect this data in real time and integrate it um, and, and present it. A huge, huge amount of data, huge bandwidth requirements um, using a commercial network. Another one was a implementation of an, an uh, augmented reality solution in, um, in the aquatic center. Um, one of the challenges, and I think this is going to gain a lot of traction in the in the coming few years in, in uh, sports and entertainment in general. Um, uh, today, if you want to get more data about what's going on on, on on the field of play, you have to shift your gaze from the field of play, either to your, you know, to, to the phone to check what's, you know, the internet, or to look at various, uh, you know, displays in, in the arena if you can bring all of this content in front of you while you're still watching the field of play, in this case, the pool, uh, there, there's tremendous value. If you, you know, watching the pool and knowing who are the competitors, how are they doing and so forth is really an, an outstanding experience. And so this was, again, another use case for 5G uh, because this really requires real-time integration of content onto a live view because you're looking at the competition and whatever is, is, is being projected has to be synchronized with the actual placement of the swimmer in the pool. Yeah. And then lastly, uh, we worked with the Olympic Broadcasting Service with OBS to enable 5G-based cameras. Uh, these were used in the uh, um, new national stadium, uh, both for track and field, but for uh, the opening and closing ceremonies. Uh, and and uh, what's what's interesting about that in terms of the value is one it reduces tremendously uh, the amount of uh, physical infrastructure that is required to operate um, um, wireless cameras, and by that also enable access uh, for cameras into places and situations that previously were very difficult to access. So one great example that I that I saw was in the opening ceremony. I remember the Portuguese. Uh, flag bears bursting onto the field and, and dancing kind of wildly. 
and OBS were able to show them doing that all the way back into the the the, the tunnel uh, during you know as they were moving in the pipeline towards the field and something they wouldn't have been able to cover uh, before without this technology. And our goal with this is to lower uh, the latency on this and really enable to capture real live sports with this technology, um, even starting in Beijing. Fascinating. I want to also ask you about smart venue technology, something we've is adjacent to some of the things you've already covered as well. Uh, talk a little bit about the way in which that was brought to life. And, and, and again, some of the broader uh, implications or applications of it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, um, uh, smart venue is one of the places that are, you know, uh, super important, especially now, I think, uh, with, I mean, even before COVID, but even more so with COVID, um, to manage um, um, venues, audiences and venues, enable safe presence to enable audiences to come to venues. Um you know, this was already in plan from a, you know physical security standpoint um, in in Tokyo, uh, but um, we were involved in deploying uh, data collection systems, so using a variety of sensors in uh, different locations to help the International Olympic Committee um, learn more about the actual utilization, and this is part of their mission uh, to improve the uh, efficiency and sustainability of Olympic Games. Uh, so learn uh, the actuals of how uh, various uh, infrastructure is actually used, um, which uh, is much more difficult to do if you're just sampling. It's very hard to know, uh, or, or I guess I should say, it's very hard to do continuous measurement of use. You can only speculate. Um, with technology, you can do continuous uh, measurement of use. And this was planned as a, a data collection project for post-games analysis. But as we were deploying it, uh, operators of these different spaces um, uh, Im immediately jumped on, on, the, on the wagon and one uh, with us and wanted to get uh, as much of this real time because it could affect, it could help them make decisions on, um, I don't know, in the Olympic Village uh, dining room how quickly they're getting close to filling their capacity. And I should say their reduced capacity because of COVID. So they had to manage shifts and stuff like that. And uh, they needed more real-time management tools. So that's one example. Um, NEC deployed a very interesting accreditation uh, validation uh, system um, based on Intel technology, which I know they've now uh, spread beyond that into airports and a variety of other places. So a lot of interesting crossover between uh, innovation that happens for Olympic Games um, and then um, into the rest of the world. And of course, technology that is uh, developed in other spaces and uh, gets used uh, in, in the Olympic Games. Well, Ido Kadim, uh, congratulations on the great work you and your team have, have been doing. Thank you for this wonderful conversation, providing a bit of an overview of some of the innovative things that you brought to life. It'll be a pleasure to see more of your team's work uh, in place with future games, uh, future Olympics and Paralympics to come. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you, Peter. A pleasure to have been here.